You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Milwaukee Mafia podcast, another special episode of the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. I'm Eric Walterkins. I'm Gavin Schmidt. And Gavin, go ahead and take her right away. Yeah, this is a uh, part three of our special four-part series with Berto Vallejo, who was a member of the Latin Kings organization in Milwaukee and uh, rose up to be uh, one of the leaders there. Hello, Berto. Hey, how you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. So yeah, last time we left off, um, tried to end it with where you had just become uh, like the Cosica of, of the group, I believe. Right, right. Okay. I'm actually going to go back just a moment because... We had talked about, and this was, I'm sorry, Eric, this was the emotional part of the episode. Um, we had talked about your friend, Black Cat. Right. Now, I don't know if you know about this, but there, the reports say that after that incident, um, when the police were investigating it, there was a an incident where the police went to one of the King houses and they sort of got jumped on by the people in the house. Do you know about that? Right. So, I mean, of course, that's that's the picture that's painted. Right. But so uh, I kind of mentioned that once once that that happened. Right. Um, you know, we went back to kind of where we were partying at. I don't know exactly how the police found out um, that we were partying there. I don't know if it was they followed somebody back because we were only like a couple blocks away from from where Black Hat was killed at. And um, needless to say, they came to the door and everybody in the house is emotional. You're like, mm. you know, we just, uh, we just lost one of our friends. And, um, so they kind of kicked it. They forced herself in the house. They kicked the door in, um, you know, quote unquote, probable cause. And, sure. uh, so, so they come in and, you know, they were kind of just, you know, obviously, listen, if I'm calling it, you know, if I'm calling the balls and strikes here, like, obviously they don't know who's got a gun, who doesn't have a gun. Like, there's just a shooting down the block. So, I mean, you know, to their credit, maybe they're coming in and they're focused on that. But I mean, there's like, my kid's mom was there. She was pregnant. You know, there's like girls in the house. So it's not like it was just a bunch of guys in there and, and gangbanger clothes and, you know, a bunch of tattoos. Like it was like a, it was a party, but there was a bunch of people there. So they came in and they were just throwing people around. I was in the opposite room actually when the scuffle happened. But from my understanding, they grabbed, it's actually my friend, uh, I don't know how much he is my friend anymore, but they grabbed his girlfriend and like, you know, kind of like, you know, manhandled her a little bit. I don't know if she was uncooperative or not. And he like stepped up and got into a tussle with him. And it's funny because he, he, one of his, the picture he's, he's actually still wanting to this day um, from our indictment. But um, the picture they have of him, he's got like bruises and marks all over his face. So I don't know how much uh, it was us diving on them or them diving on us, but uh, <laughs> um, so that so that's kind of how the you know the you know a couple guys got got thrown around a little bit. It wasn't nothing major, like you know. I mean, just imagine if it was something serious. I'm sure they would have you know they would have pulled their fire on it or something. But so it wasn't. It was like okay. a, you know yeah it wasn't it wasn't nothing crazy. But uh, okay. Yeah, well, the reason I had I mean. It, the, the reason that one made the news and, and most of this you know as you know does not make the news. The, the officer alleged that somebody tried to steal his gun from his holster. And I don't know if there's any truth to that, but that sure. that's what the cop said. Sure. Well, I guess the question is, do you think that person would still be alive? I mean, I mean, I mean, sure. if, if, 
if we're being honest about a situation like that, I mean, just think about, you know, the day and age we're in now, if somebody's trying to take an officer's gun, it's probably not going to end well. Um, but definitely, listen, I mean, I know the guy personally, like I, I knew him, you know, for years. And, uh, you know, this is actually like, if, you know, if you could classify Latin Kings, he was one of the smarter ones. So I highly doubt that that was the case. I mean, okay. the, you know, it was more about the justification for why he was so beat up. It's probably, it's probably what, it's probably what the, the report had to say, you know, because he was, he was beat up, you know, the picture they have of him, he was worse than that. But so, I mean, in, in my opinion, that's, that's what I see, you know, I, you know, I, I, situations right. like that, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, it, it turns into a free for all, but rarely. No, I get it. I just, done. I just wanted to hear your side of that. Cause obviously the, the side that gets the news is always the police side. So, you know, the, the person that was attacked that, allegedly possibly took tried to take the cop's gun would he have had a, his own gun on him well he didn't at that there was that we had one uh we had one gun in the house actually that they found which was the gun that uh joey used to shoot back at the uh at the guy that killed black cat so that, okay. was, that was the only gun they found that gun okay like i i just asked that question because obviously if he would have had a gun on him it wouldn't have made very much sense for him to go after a cop's gun would have been a lot right. easier just to pull right. his gun. Yeah. <laughs> right, for sure. Yeah. It's, and 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 like I said, it you know, the 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 stereotypical perception of, you know, going into a Latin King household, it sounds like this crazy, you know, they make it sound like this crazy thing to put in your head, like it was everybody sitting there with guns in their laps and they're waiting for an ambush. Like, no, it's like it was a party. You know, like mm-hmm. it was a party with girls and guys and, you know, like I said, the you know, it was it was guys drinking and smoking weed and there you know the, the atmosphere wasn't what it was painted out to be so sure it's not always not always what it's been so now i have to ask about uh an incident that this is the one-sided version but it doesn't sound good there was there was a a king who was suspected of being an informant and he was allegedly shot stabbed choked to death uh, eventually, his his body was partially dissolved in bleach before he was dumped in an alley. Do you know what I'm referring to there? Um, I, I think I got an idea of it. Um, if it's a correct story, it's funny because the guy we were just talking about that scuffled with the cops, he was actually on that case. Uh, his name was Armando Berrigan. Um, he's, he's still on the run, so I don't care about mentioning his name. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and, I mean, listen, the, the guy was my friend, so I, I don't like to talk bad about him you know, per se, because, but, but long story short, anyways, to, to get back to that. Um, yeah. So the guy wasn't an informant at all. And I, the guy's name was Lyra Louie. Um, he was a real, he was a good guy. Uh, his name fit the person to a T. I mean, this guy was, he was, he was a liar a hundred percent, man. You know, he would lie about the dumbest things, but he was a good guy. It wasn't like he was a POS, you know what I'm saying? He was, he mm-hmm. was an RID, you know what I mean? So, so, uh, Basically, what happened that night, Mondi's cousin was there. Mondi's cousin was not a king. Um, he was he was affiliated. You know, like I said, you know, Mondi's whole family were kings. So it's kind of like, you know, because he was a cousin, he wasn't actually officially a king, but he was affiliated. So it was, you know, those kind of guys are like untouchable. You know, you're you're a part of the family. So um, you might not necessarily be a made member, but you're still you're still affiliated. Well, what happened was. He got into an argument with Liar Louie, and Liar Louie was not, Liar Louie was a king at one time, but he wasn't on count at that time, right? And and uh, it, 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 it might be hard to, to, 
to grab that concept. But but basically what it is is there's kings that end up being like roamers, right? Where they were mm-hmm. once a part of a chapter and maybe their chapter got shut down or they went to prison and got out and none of their guys were around no more. So they're kind of like free agents and they never really latch on to a chapter, but they still hang around Latin kings and they still get shown love because at one time they were officially a Latin king. Now, at some point they get, you know, they get pressed to join a chapter or stop throwing up the crown, right? But that happens down the line. Well, anyways, at this time, Lyra Louis wasn't necessarily a part of any chapter. He got into an argument with the dude, Mondo. They were both drinking and, and Mondo shot him in the leg. So, but it was an accident, right? They're, they're, you know, they're talking crazy to each other and, and Mondo ends up, this, now, now remember, there's a difference between Mondo and Mondi. Okay. Mondi's the okay. younger one. Mondo was the older one. Mondi's the one that's still on the run right now. And uh, so Mondo shoots him in the leg, right? So when that happened, now Mondo, he panics because he thinks, okay, one, this guy, his family, the like Liar Louie, you know, he's got family that's Latin Kings too. Okay, this dude's going to retaliate. So his immediate go-to was, yo, we can't let this guy live. The rest of the guys in the house, because there was other kings there, you know, they're drunk. You know, one of them's passed out. You know, the other two are kind of like, you know, they don't want to be involved. They're not helping, <clears throat> but they don't want to be involved one way or the other. And uh, Mondi, the younger one, is actually caught between a rock and a hard place because that's his cousin. So he's like, you know, what what should he do? The guy Mondo is basically like telling everybody, go, nobody can leave until we handle the situation. Okay. Needless to say, what they end up doing is they they decide amongst themselves, you know, Liar Louie's still drunk. They had been drinking. He's bleeding. He's like, yo, just let me go. I'm not going to do nothing. Let me go. And Mondo came to the conclusion of, you know, basically upon himself that he wasn't going to let him go. So him and another guy who wasn't a king, <clears throat> a guy named Isaiah, they grab him <clears throat> and they bring him to the bathroom. And the guy Isaiah starts choking him and literally chokes him to death they got him in the bathtub and and when they got him in the when they got him in the bathtub they basically try to bleach him and get like all the evidence off of him mm-hmm. and and then and you know then they they wrap him up in the carpet they drive him to the north side and they dump him on the north side um so minimal involvement for the other kings the real kings that were there there was actually three real kings that were there minimal involvement um but you know, there was backlash between chapters because Larry Luder was actually close with the Wild Walkers. Okay. I mean, you know, like I said, the guys that were there were from 19th Street. So there was a little bit of backlash. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy that you bring this story up, though, because I was actually <clears throat> thinking about it earlier. The, the the guy, Mondi, right, he's on the run right now. And there's a lot of like, um, I don't want to say controversy, but, but, but somewhat controversy, you know, surrounding like just how the way the Latin Kings, um, I guess, fomented in what they are today and there's a lot of like favoritism when it comes to people who cooperate and people who don't and everybody puts this guy Mondi on the pedestal but before he went on the run in 2005 for our indictment he actually cooperated on this case the very case we're talking about okay you know and you know he was like one of my best friends he pulled me to the side and he said listen man I'm not going to prison for that and because he was like my family spoiler alert he's actually uh he's actually the cousin to my my kid's mother so, okay. I mean, this guy's like family. And I told him, I said, well, listen, man, nobody's going to move on you. You know, at this time, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm reputed, you know, like in the street, like, you know, there's, there's, there's really no, there's really not a lot of people that are going to try to like go to war with us. So, you know, I just told him like, listen, like, I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with what you're talking about doing, but I'm not going to, 
you're, you're my, you know, you're my blood. You're my, you're like my blood. You're my, you're my family. You know, not necessarily, you know, not literally sure. my blood, but you know. So it's just, I think there's a little bit of irony. It's crazy to me that you brought this story up, and I was just thinking about it earlier how there's so much hypocrisy in in uh, in how people treat different uh, quote unquote cooperators. But I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Sure. All right. I'm going to take a slight detour before. Um, any more of these dark stories. Um, so I don't know exactly what the time frame is for when you're kind of in the leadership role, but um, can you kind of explain what that's like then having to interact with other chapters or the regional authority when you're, you know, when you're somebody important? Right, right. Okay. So I was at Kasinka for a while. Um, and during this time, so we had a lot of younger members. Obviously, I was one of the youngest, right? So we had a lot of younger members, and and there was other chapters, um, in particular, like Wild Walker, that had older members that weren't in prison. Well, they were the ones that had the connection to Chicago, right? So one guy in particular, his name was Pep, and uh, Pep was the he was the Inca Wild Walker. Now Pep liked me, right? He really really liked me, and uh, I mean a lot of people liked me, a lot of people hated me, but a lot of people liked. Me. So, so, uh, so me and Pep, we had a good relationship and his Kasinka was Juanito. And I think I mentioned to you when I was Wild Walker, you know, Juanito was actually one of the guys that I was okay with. So anyway, Pep's plan for, for Milwaukee was to do exactly what happened in 98 and bring all the chapters to one instead of making it, instead of leaving the chapters individually. He wanted to bring all the chapters together and, and just call us the Milwaukee Latin Kings. And he wanted that because he was the Inca who was talking to Chicago and he wanted that power. He wanted sure. to remain in that position. So because he was so thirsty to do that, so driven on doing that, he tried to come to me and say, hey, listen, I'll make you my Kasinka. I'll X out my own Kasinka, that's, that's from Wild Walker, and I'll make you the Kasinka, and we can have one chapter, right? That was something that our chapter was completely against, and rightfully so, and I'll tell you why. One nine, like I said, and I'll say it again, was the cream of the crop. We were known for the violence. We were known for just anything that really came to Latin Kings when it came to recognition came from 19th Street and good and bad, right? So mm -hmm. we didn't want to give up our chapter. We didn't feel like that was the right thing to do, not just because of that, but also because we felt like Champ would disapprove of it. And Champ was the one who started 19th Street. So when we, when I disagreed with him, you know, I had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with him. He said, well, listen, why don't you guys come down to Chicago and and you can kind of basically jockey your position because he already in his own time was pushing to get this single chapter in Milwaukee, you know, unbeknownst to me. So me, you know, I, you know, I'm not scared of that. Okay, let's go. I got no problem with that. Let's go. So um, when the time came, it was actually like a, it was what they call a nation party. I don't want to get too deep into how that works, but it was a nation party and there was going to be a bunch of kings there and we were invited. And the way these nation parties work, is when your chapter is invited, you have to pay for each individual in your chapter, whether they come or they don't come. So I had to take $20 for each person that is on count for my chapter and take it down there. Um, and there was only like three of us that went. Me, my brother went, and one other king. Mondi didn't go. Now, Mondi was the Inca at this time. I was a Kasinka. So I went down there. We partied. Listen, man, I mean, you talk about nostalgic. I mean, I walked into a hall, and there's probably like 350 Latin kings. It was it was a crazy sight to see, man. I mean, it, you know, from all over. I mean, chapters from everywhere in Chicago, Chicago Heights, uh, Waukegan, everywhere. You know, I was having fun. But, you know, at the same time, I know that at some point the conversation is going to have to come about, 
you know, what I was just explaining to you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, after we left the hall, we went to a house and I literally went down to the basement where only the leaders were allowed to go. And when I mean leaders, I mean the Incas and Pacincas of uh, every, you know, each chapter that was there. Pep, you know, he went down there with me. And the biggest mind blower of the night, right, is that the regional Inca at that time, now remember I told you how it's built like a company in, and when it gets to the top, you know what I'm saying, you have a, a, a Inca who controls the whole region. Well, the regional Inca at this time was a pure white dude. I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is mind blowing to me, right? Because I'm half white, I'm half Mexican, right? But this blew my mind. And the, and the majority of the Incas and Pacifics in the room at this time are all Spanish, right? Sure. So, I mean, this dude's got a raspy voice. He sounds like he should be a biker, right? And on a motorcycle somewhere. And he's the regional Inca of the Latin Kings. I mean, I just thought that was a crazy mind blower at the time, right? So anyway. Sure. And, you know, we started having a conversation and I basically, you know, you know, his name is Weddle and Weddle goes, listen, well, well, why do you believe you, you should have your chapter? And I explained to him, I said, listen, man, no disrespect to Pep, but we're the ones on the ground. Like our troops are the one on the ground. We're the ones every day. We're getting shot at. We're shooting at flakes. Like, this is what we do. This is our life. We don't. And, you know, like full disclosure, the guy Pep actually lived in Racine. So, okay. you know. How are you going to dictate to be the Inca and you live in Racine? Your nose ain't to the street. And that's a weird, I, was, I conveyed to the guy and listen, like it, it worked. He was like, all right, well, listen, I respect that. You know, we'll keep tabs on what's going on. You're invited to come back down here. You know, we can always talk to each other. <clears throat> now, um, you know, shortly after that, the guy, Weddle ended up getting what they call a SOS, a shoot on site, because he, uh, because he, he was actually embezzling money from the nation and um and and taking due money and spending it on himself but that's neither here nor there but that was sure. that was the, you know he ended up losing that position so that's kind of how it goes man like you 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 definitely have different responsibilities than the average show, soldier right you know i'm i not just me but like my brother and and the guys that i was close with <clears throat> we made it a point that when we got those positions whatever it was that we wanted to be not necessarily equals to the soldiers, but we didn't want them to feel like we were pushing our authority on them because mm-hmm. we hated that. We hated that as futures. We hated that as young kings, as younger kings. I mean, obviously I was still young, but but being that, you know, I was I was one of the longer term kings. Being that I was that I hated when Jay would give me a violation every weekend because I wasn't in school, knowing I couldn't go to school. That's like a power hungry move. You know, just to mm-hmm. insert sure. your authority. And uh, we always, we as we recruited new guys and, and we kept 19th Street together, we always made sure that those were the ideals that we wanted to practice. And um, so I say that to say that I don't know, I don't, I don't know where your next question was going to go, but literally that day, right, after I talked to Weddle and he tells me, listen, man, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Keep showing us that your hood deserves to be open and I'll never try to shut you down. The okay. next day, when we when I got back from Chicago, is when I committed my first murder, my only murder. Okay. Well, so. uh, that that isn't necessarily <laughs> isn't necessarily where the question was going to go, but I guess you opened the door there, didn't you? Be- before you start into that, I want to ask a just a quick question. How old were you when you went to this meeting? Was this fifteen? Yeah, I was fifteen. Yep. Was okay, 15. so like, how old is Weddle? 
Weto was probably he Weto was probably Weto okay Weto so you know is a Spanish term for white boy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so he was I'd say 36, 37. God. When you think man. about that now, does it just blow your mind that I mean you were 15 yeah, I mean, it, and it, you were talking to this guy and he was actually listening to you and respecting you and that just blows my mind. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. You know, I, at the time, <laughs> you know, at the time you, 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 you look on, I mean, like, like literally I look around the room and I see how much power is there, right? I mean, each one of these guys could order somebody killed in two seconds, right? Like, I mean, you look around the room and these are all the most powerful people of each individual chapter in the motherland of where the Latin Kings originated. I mean, that in itself was, it was, it was, it was a, yeah, I was awestruck, definitely, you know, but you, 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 you know, I tried, you kept it cool. I keep, I keep it cool. And, and, you know, and, and obviously I knew I was there for a purpose and, and my purpose was to make sure that my chapter didn't get closed down or didn't get, you know, consumed by this other chapter that didn't even have as many members as us, Sure. you know, so, so, you know, but, but yeah, looking back, definitely you're like, wow. I mean, and, and I ended up meeting the regional Inca after that when they replaced Weddell. It's a guy named Chewy. I ended up meeting him afterwards. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, it, listen, I, I, I was a Kasinka for a while, like I said, and, and, uh, and I understood the day-to-day operations. And, and like I said, we, we, we um, you know, we did a lot of things as in leadership that was definitely off the cuff. You know, we didn't, we, you know, we stayed as close as we could to the Constitution and, 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 and respecting the hierarchy. But at the same time, we did our best to empower our young brothers is how we, is how we, is how we framed it. You know, we, we did our best to make them feel accepted and understand that it's not about, you know, what, what you can do for us, but what we can do for each other. And, and because that was the mindset we had, man, like, you know, the guys that I hung around with was all about, I'll take the shirt off my back for you. And, you know, obviously that goes from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other, which is I'll die for you and I'll kill for you. Right. So, you know, that's the unfortunate nature of the beast. Would you say that this was unique to your chapter or, or look, was there other chapters that were just taking advantage of people more per se? Yeah, no, I think, I think with the other chapters, man, it was all about the, uh, the preconceived notion of what it means to get into a chapter and then become a part of leadership, right? Which is that you get into leadership and then you got all this power and you puff up, right? And, and I think that a lot of people just, they kept that stigma going. So in other chapters, it was, it, it, uh, it was like that. It was always like that. You know, it was like this, oh my God, awestruck if I seen the Inca, right? And we tried to kind of dumb that down and just be like, listen, yeah, I'm, I'm your Inca or I'm your Kasinka, but you can talk to me, you know, like you're a king, you're a king for a reason. So we can talk, we can have a conversation. And uh, so, you know, to our detriment, right? Because we ended up having a situation where guys started like not necessarily respecting authority at certain times and and then they got to catch violations. But, you know, that was the idea behind it. Now, it was a young-minded idea, right? So, you know, obviously in these type of situations, nothing ever works 100% of it. But it was just from our heart, we thought that was what was best to do because we were so tight-knit. Okay. Well, yeah, now we're I, – I guess we're going there because uh, <laughs> you, you opened the door. Um, you're, you're back from Chicago after this meeting. It's the next day, and this is ultimately going to be the day that I don't know. It's, it's probably still two years out. I'm guessing, if I'm do, if I'm doing the math yeah. right. But yeah, that's, this that's, is what's going to lead to your indictment, more or less. Yeah, this this is what. Well, it didn't necessarily lead to indictment, but it led to me doing heavy prison time. Sure. Um, so 
so yeah, man, I when I got back from from Chicago, obviously I had conversations with my brother. My brother is is my you know he's my right hand. Like we we bounce everything off each other. Um, he's my older brother. You know we think so much alike. And I and I remember at the time it was kind of like we had the idea that okay, well, not necessarily we we skated by by the skin of our teeth, but in, in some respects, like you just said, you know the guy's 37, I'm 15. You know he's looking at me, he's listening to me. How long does that go? How how far does that go? And 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 I. You know, me and Tim were kind of like, listen, we got to do something to really make statements around here. Like, we really got to show that we deserve this this recognition. We deserve this chance to to keep our chapter alive, basically. And you got to remember, Mondi is 16, so I had lost. We had lost Snuff already. He went to he went back to jail. Um, that was the Inca that that was around when I first became Katinka. So now we got an Inca who's 16 and a Katinka who's 15. Right. And a lot of there was members, obviously, that were 18, you know, 19, but but they weren't as as, as involved. And and so the idea was that, OK, we have to really make a, a statement. And so there was a wild walker named Two Bit that uh, he, he had a reputation. He was like he'd steal cars and you chop them up and that kind of thing. But he also stole cars and and and, you know, he would do drive bys or whatever. He would come and get, you know, whoever and do drive bys or. or or look for look for flakes and, and not necessarily drive bys but you know shoot at guys and it just so happened that day he came over he came over there and it was me it was me my brother and two and he's like yo you guys want to go like you want to go you know you want to go flake hunting basically you got to remember right now in the old times you know quote unquote a casinka would never be in the street like that right a casinka would never have to go get his hands dirty so to speak once you made it to that point it's kind of like you earn that title and you kind of just now it's time for the the newer guys to put in their work but like i said we were trying to alleviate that stigma we didn't want people to think oh these guys think you know at 15 they made it they don't have to do nothing and i know especially with me obviously i had all these other things like you know i didn't want to live in the brother i didn't want to live in the shadow of my brother i, I had the my cousin who was already a cooperator like there were so many things that i used to have to try to conquer in my head each day just to give you a you know perspective of how my mind went and um so i'm like sure man like i'll go and and tim had something to do so Toot was like i'll go right like let's go all right so we get in the car so we drive we're driving around you know we're just cruising basically joyriding and we get to our neighborhood right on uh <clears throat> on 19th street we drive through 19 you know go past lincoln and we drive and we get over to Hayes. Right before we get to Hayes, we see a guy walking and he's got his hat broke to the right. Now, number one sign, obviously he's a rival, he's got his hat broke the wrong way. Now, not only has he got his hat broke to the wrong way, but he's in our neighborhood, right? So mm -hmm. this is like, this is like the double sin. So immediately, like something has to happen. Now I had a gun on me, I had a nine millimeter on me. Now, so when it happened, we're driving north, right? We're driving away from him. I take that back. We're driving south, we're driving away from him. So, Tubic's like, yo, I'm going to turn around right here and I'm going to park. So I'm like, okay. So he turns around, he parks. Now the guy's walking right towards us on the side of the, on the, on the same side of the street. Now, before I finish the story, right? Or before I get into the story, sure. I just want to preface, I just want to preface this and I want to say, listen, by no means am I glorifying this, this, this incident. By no means am I glorifying this lifestyle. All right. That lifestyle was not a victimless lifestyle. And a lot of people were hurt. And I'm really, 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 regretful for a lot of things that I've done and obviously remorseful for a lot of people that I hurt. Not just not just rivals, but also my own family from the decisions I made. 
So being that, that being said, I just want everybody to know, like, listen, man, like this story and my story, like I said, it's, it's, it's meant genuine to hit wherever it can hit as far as if it gives you clarity, if it gives you perspective, if it gives you some inspiration, and even if it gives you closure, whatever it is, I mean it genuinely. And I don't want to be put on a pedestal by guys in the street, and I don't want to be crucified by people that don't understand the lifestyle. I just want to tell a story, and and I hope that it, it comes off as such. Uh, with that said, so I've seen the guy. He's got his hat broke to the right. Now, I mentioned to you last episode, we had, we had so, we had, we had been sh- literally shooting at so many people that, like I said, man, people would not even represent their gang anymore. They, they, they literally won't represent the gang anymore. Now, when I seen the guy, I knew, you know, I seen him, I thought I recognized him from being around a bunch of IGs, right? IGs are Imperial Gangsters, which is okay. a rival to the Latin King. In my mind, I thought, all right, there's no way this guy's going to admit to me he's an IG, right? Because he knows he's in Kinghood, right? Now, I don't know what he thought. Maybe he thought that, one, nobody was going to be out here, but two, maybe he's got a gun, right? Maybe he's got a gun and he's not scared to be out here. So now I got to play my cards right in my head. And going all the way back to when I got shot, you always got to be the first to react and you think about the consequences later. That's what that lifestyle is about. So my first mind was, okay, let me see if he really is a, let me see if he really is a slave. So he walks up like, hey man, I told him, I said, hey man, you got some weed? And I got my hat broke to the right. I don't have my hat broke to the left, right? Latin Kings represent to the left side. I got my hat broke to the right. I'm like, hey folks, you got some weed? Folks is a term that they use amongst each other. He looks at me, he's like, yeah, folks, he's like, I know where to get some weed at. I said, okay. So I get out the car now and I'm like, I'm like, yo, I'm like, he's like, yeah, we can go right over here to get some weed. I said, I said okay. I said, are you, uh, are you real folks? Like you, you a real gangster? He goes, yeah, I'm a real gangster. And he kind of throws up his gang sign at me, right? And I told him, I said, you know what hood you in? And he goes, yeah, I know what hood I'm in. I told him, I said, you know, it's Kinghood, right? And he goes, yeah, this is, he goes, yeah, this is, I know this is Latin Kinghood, but I'm King Killer. And when he said that, that, that right there is the ultimate, that's it, right? Like if, if, if somebody says that to you and you don't do nothing, you might as well, you might as well be a rival to Latin King. Because it's all it's 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 basically it's basically disrespecting everything about your livelihood. So at that at that moment, now it's like there's no going back. I pulled the gun out and I shot, and it wasn't like anything I ever thought it would be. Right, like I, when I shot, it wasn't like the movies where he just falls down or blood splatters. It, it wasn't like that. He just kind of looked at me like shocked, and so I shot a couple times, and then. When he fell, I jumped in the car and I took off. And I remember thinking like, all right, I've shot at, I've shot at people before and I'm pretty sure I hit people before, but never this close. I've never been that close to somebody and shot them. And, um, I felt like, all right, this was, you know, obviously this is sick. This is a sick mindset at the time, but I'm like, this is justified. Like, this is what mm-hmm. happened. This is, this is the lifestyle that I chose. And that's where I left it. And that's where I left everything. I never thought, oh, man, how do I get away with this? I never thought, you know, man, are these guys going to tell on me? I never thought any of that. Mm-hmm. I just moved forward. Obviously, at a point in my life, it, you know, it came back. So, you know, that was, that was, that was the incident that changed my life 100%. Sure. Um, so, you know, that was the bombshell. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
I guess I mean there's so many there's so many stories, but let's just kind of bring this to uh, to the end of this episode uh, where where the indictment does come down. It's this massive indictment. There's like I believe it's 49 guys. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, 49 guys. What what's going on that day? Are, are like the feds just like swarming the neighborhood, or what's up with how's how's it go down? Yeah, just to reiterate what you said. I mean, so many more stories. I yeah. Mean, countless stories that are similar to that. Obviously, um, that was the only one where I was the actual shooter in a situation where somebody died, but so many more that I was around or I knew about. And um, obviously that, that'll be, that'll be opened up a little bit more at some time in the future. Mm -hmm. But um, with regard to the indictment, yeah. So, I mean, it was called Operation Royal Flush. And uh, so it was October 12th, 2005. And uh, I, I, mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I was with Mondi the day before, and we were actually bowling. We used to go bowling every Tuesday. Uh, and uh, I dropped him off. I said, all right, all right, brother, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, at this time, I remember it was the summer. I mean, it was the fall of 2005, and there was a lot of kings that were locked up, you know, for, for different stuff, you know, staycases here, staycases. I mean, they were doing everything they can to keep kings locked up. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was only a few kings left out. And I went to my kid's mom's house. You know, uh, I had just had my second son. Um, and uh, I went over there and I, I stayed the night. And about five in the morning, I got woke up to flashlights with guns on them, kicking in doors, screaming, get on the ground, get on the ground. I was butt naked. I never forget <laughs> that. And uh, so, so yeah, so they, they, they come in there and they, they grab me up, right? They take me downstairs and, and they're not there looking for me. That's the funny part. They're actually there looking for my kid's mother's brother because he lived there huh. as well. And he was a Latin king. But uh, obviously I was on the indictment. So once the uh, the lead detective, it was like a, it was a joint task force. We got indicted by the feds, but there was a joint task force between the federal agencies and the state and local police. Uh, it was called like HIDA, High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area. And uh, so there was like a, a main detective on uh, on our case, and uh, he knew me since I was eight, nine years old, had seen me growing up. My mom was a crossing guard right right by second district where he worked. He locked Latin Kings up his whole career. And I'll tell you this, that, that guy, though, he uh, he was all right. He was all right. But but anyway, yeah, so he comes in, he sees me. He goes, hey, Berto, what's going on? Um, Nothing much. What's up? He goes, he goes uh, stand up. And I go, hands behind your back. You're indicted for violating the RICO statute, uh, first degree intentional murder. Starts naming off all these these cases, and I kind of laugh at him. I'm like, all right, you know, you got to remember it had been two years mm-hmm. uh, since the murder, and it had been it had really been almost two years since my you know quote unquote shooting spree because I had actually went to Wales, Ethan Allen School for Boys for basically a total of two years for a shooting I did when I was 13. I got locked up right before I turned 16. Because after all the stuff happened in Chicago, obviously after the, the, the murder, I had got locked up. And uh, and I went and I did uh, some time over there. I did 18 months. I got out, was out for a month, went back for six months, got out. I was out for three months. And that's when I got indicted. So, yeah, and that for that case, I, I, I shot a, a Mexican posse gang member in the neck, and, and, and I did two years for that. So, you know, you got to remember, I'm, I'm, I'm two years basically removed from really any shootings that I've done. Um, when I was out for them three months, 
I had, you know, I, I turned 18 in that summer. I wasn't really, I was active and I had rank, but I wasn't, I wasn't really carrying, you know, carrying a gun, shooting at people no more like that. I was a little older. I actually had a job. I was refinishing hardwood floors. So yeah, I was still an active member, but, but, you know, so in my head, I say all that to say this in my head, what really did they have? Right. Mm. I mean, what really did they have? And uh, little did I know they had it all. Not, 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 not everything, but they, they, they had, they had the ones that counted. And uh, I took a deep breath. I said, all right, man, let's go. Hands behind my back. Went downtown. For some reason, I was in the back of the federal building by myself. And they had literally, you know, three cages full of Latin Kings. A lot of them they brought in from like state joints. Some of them they got off the streets. You know, they sweeped everybody up the same morning. But uh, like I said, a lot of them were already locked up. So they brought guys in from the county jail, brought guys in from the state prison. And so when I go in for my, my arraignment, I literally walk past the cage and I see kings that I haven't seen in, you know, months and years because, you know, they were doing prison time. And, hey, what's up? You know, and so it's yeah. all fun and games. You know, it was all fun and games that first, that first morning until you get slapped with a 72-page indictment. Sure. And, uh, and you see you're charged with two murders and three attempts. I mentioned to you, though, I... I I was actually exonerated on the murder that I didn't do. I had nothing to do with. So, yeah, I mean, that's that that was right up to the indictment, man. And and um, obviously after that things happen, and I think we'll we'll touch on that next time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, um, it's it's so hard. I I don't want to be the guy to like to cut you off and wrap this up because everything you say is just is just <laughs> it's such good material. But I, we we have time limits, so. <laughs> Yeah, so those yeah. so, so those stories are going to have to wait for another day. Someone uh, someone down the line will have to get them from some other source. So, um, Berto, again, thank you so much uh, for your honesty, your openness. I know you've had a long time to reflect on this, but I mean, there's it can't be easy, and and we appreciate it. No, for sure, for sure, and uh, you know, just like I said, reiterate, man. I uh, I just hope that the, that the stories and and uh, the ideology behind this, it, it rubs people the right way in a sense of, of just trying to get some understanding, you know? Yeah. So that that's my goal. And I think you've done a very good job with that. So I appreciate so. it. Appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, Berto, thanks. Thanks again. Um, this is the end of part three. There's one part left. So we're going to come back and do one more segment with Berto. Um, Eric, I'll just, I'll just do the wrap up this time. How about you, that? You want to screw this all up? Go for yeah, it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so if you want to you want to get in contact with us, you can go to milwaukeemafia.com. You can email me, milwaukeemafia at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me all sorts of places. I'm very easy to track down. So um, you can reach Eric through me. And you can, I guess you can reach Berto through me if you'd like. So yeah, we'll be back in two weeks with uh, part four of the series. So Thank and, you, everybody. And as usual, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a <laughs> review on your favorite podcast player. And we will see you in two weeks. Right, thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. Join us next time for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. <laughs>